0: I tell you, focusing on the world is uh, intriguing to me today. I had a wonderful time on vacation. Janet and I went to the family farm in central Texas, and uh, there were two sheep that were born while we were there. Two lambs, I got their pictures, I think. Uh, They were less than 24 hours old when we put them in the trailer. And, uh,. These little lambs are going to be moved someplace where the coyotes, the wolves, and the uh, foxes can't get them. But uh, my brother-in-law is a shepherd, and I have a picture of him with the sheep here next. We are the sheep of his pasture, is what you just sang. Now, let me tell you something interesting about these lambs in Mills County, Texas, where there has never been a mosque. And I don't know that there ever was a Muslim until a few years ago when a Muslim man bought the slaughterhouse, the meatpacking plant in Lomita, Texas, about 10 miles from the family farm. These lambs are destined for the feast of Ramadan. Prices are highest during the Muslim holy days for lambs. And you may say, what's a Baptist preacher doing raising lambs for Ramadan? I was telling this story when uh, suddenly it dawned on me that I am part of this intriguing economy that's happening in the world. You are part and I am part of a shrinking planet. The world is getting smaller. As communication improves and transportation improves, people are connecting from all over the world. And it's never been more important for we who follow Jesus to recognize it, acknowledge it, even celebrate it, teach our children, our classes, those whom we disciple, about the world nature of faith in Christ. I have a new discipline to introduce to you this morning. I've been introducing Thanksgiving disciplines Sunday by Sunday. The first Sunday, I asked you to give thanks to the Lord in a perpetual conversation of praise as you go throughout your day, and to make this a discipline until we get to Thanksgiving. So that when you're in your car, when you're walking by the way, as you're with your friends, to be saying, thank you, Lord, for the people you put in my life, for the lambs that were born last night, for all the interesting and wonderful things by which I am surrounded, the miracles of everyday life. I've asked you to do that. I hope you're practicing it. It will change the demeanor of your life if you're giving thanks as a perpetual conversation with God. Secondly, I asked you to give thanks on purpose every time you had a meal. Have you been doing that? Have you been saying, thank you, Lord, for the food? It's important. It follows the pattern and the example of Jesus who took the bread and gave thanks, who took the cup and gave thanks, who took the five loaves and two fish and looked up to heaven and gave thanks. So I hope you are practicing the discipline with your family, by yourself, as you go to a restaurant, wherever you might be, of pausing in the presence of the bounty God has provided and saying, thank you, Lord. Hey. It will change your day. It'll change your demeanor. It's going to change the attitude of heart as you discipline yourself to give thanks. Today, I'm introducing a third discipline into the thanksgiving that we ought to practice it's the discipline of including the world in our prayers so that we are not just praying for the people nearest us, but we are praying for those folks who are in Africa, where our church goes uh, many times, uh, carrying the gospel to uh, Ghana and to Accra. We are giving thanks for the missionaries who are serving in all the different parts of the world. Now, this has never been more important. The children that are in this room, we want them to grow up with a world on their heart. We want them to know that the the call of the gospel is greater than just next door, but it goes around the world. Why would we want to be world Christians in this sense? Why would we want to challenge the world to give God praise? Because it reflects the heart of God. And it is what this psalm is calling us to do. This is a psalm that goes out to the ends of the earth and says to the ends of the earth, to all people who occupy all lands, shout to the Lord for joy, give thanks to him, and bless his name. We want our presence in the world as followers of Jesus to be gathered around the praise and thanksgiving that we give to God. It is a unique thing to give praise to God. Your lost friends, the friends that don't get it, they don't understand your connection to God. They understand why you're making your supplications and your petitions. They understand that, you know, you're asking God to give you things. They, they may do that too, even though they don't have a relationship to God. They may say sometimes in, in desperation, Oh Lord, please give me. Please give me. People see God sometimes as Santa Claus in the sky. And the only time they really talk to Him is when they need something. Praise distinguishes your relationship with God from the -the run-of-the-mill relationship that has no depth or intimacy. Praise is you acknowledging before your friends and your family and before the whole earth that you love God, that you are grateful for him, that you want to give him what is due his name. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, when Paul talks about worship, he says, Unbelievers, strangers to the covenants of promise, people who don't know Jesus, ought to walk into your fellowship and hearing the praise you bring to God and the way your hearts are humbled before him, they too will fall down in worship. In fact, thanksgiving and praise is a powerful tool for calling others to follow the Savior. It's a brand new world we live in. We are to shout and come. And shouting to the Lord and coming before him is a challenge to pray. Prayers of thanksgiving. This is a simple discipline to add the world dimension to your prayers. Global impact offering means pray, give And go. And the simplest discipline of the three is to say, Lord, when I bow my head, I'm going to do like Robert Como and his family do. We're going to remember to pray for the children around the world that don't have enough to eat. We're going to be thankful for our food, but we're going to remember the millions of people in our world who don't have enough to eat. Or when we pray together as a family, we're going to remember to pray for the folks in Ghana, West Africa. Because they have so many basic needs that go unfulfilled. And they need to know the Lord Jesus. So we're going to pray. We're going to add a world dimension to our prayers. The psalm says, know that the Lord is God know that the Lord is God. People ask the question sometimes, why does God want us to praise him? I mean, is he egocentric? Uh, Why do we have to give him praise and thanks all the time? Well, it's not for him as much as it is for us. It's who he really is. It's who he really is. He's the creator of the ends of the earth He made the world and everything in it. He made you, and every breath you take is a gift from him. Praise is an acknowledgment of who he really is. You want people to relate to you on the basis of who you are, not their imagination of who you might be or a false picture of who you are. People have to relate honestly to one another That's how relationships work. We acknowledge that we are flawed human beings, but we care for each other and relate to one another on the basis of who we really are. That's the only way that the relationship to God works. It's not us bowing down before an imaginary God or creating a figment of our imagination. It's us acknowledging that He alone is God and there is no other. And he deserves all honor and glory and praise from us. Know that the Lord is God. And then enter his courts with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. God wants us to give him something when we come into his presence. Now, the emphasis is pray, give, and go. And when the worshipers come, they come with the determination to give something to God. I hope that this morning you are giving to God unfettered, uninhibited praise. That you're opening your heart up and saying, God, here I am, coming before you, my creator, my redeemer, and my friend. And I'm holding nothing back as I surrender everything I am to you. But what do you give to the God who has everything? You're going to be asking that question of people as Christmas comes. What kind of gift do I give to the guy who has everything? You give him your love. You give him your heart. You give him your friendship and devotion. What you give to the God who has everything is what you alone can offer him. All that is within you. That is the appropriate gift, to give to God as you know him and enter into his courts. Giving to God is a discipline of the spirit that blesses the giver. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? It is more blessed to give than to receive. I had a dad tell me after our Train the Tithe Sunday, he said, our family started to do that. We started to tithe. And God has brought his blessings. We've had such a terrific month. He said, it's it's working out just like the Bible said it would. It is more blessed. Hey, somebody said, You can't outgive God. And it's true. You can't outgive Him. If you open your heart in generosity to God, if you give Him all that you are, everything that you own and possess, if you begin to see yourself as a steward of the resources which God alone owns then you see yourself in proper perspective on the planet. That's really who you are. Temporarily handling a stream of things that come through your life as a steward of what God provides. He says, here's the garden. The garden belongs to me. I want you to tend it and keep it. I'll be checking on it later on. Faithfulness in our giving to God. Is important in our walk with him and in the ministry which we carry forward around the world and right here in New Orleans through your gifts to the global impact offering we've been able to help people go to Africa we've been able to help people go to Central City and to the Upper Ninth Ward to address needs right here in our city with the good news of Jesus Christ to express the love of Christ Things happen every week in the ministry of First Baptist New Orleans that you never hear about. There are connections that are made. There are people who trust Jesus as Savior. There are folks who receive what they need for that day. There are people who are encouraged and blessed through the ministry of our congregation simply because we are faithful in giving. We are emphasizing today the global impact offering. This last year we gave $77,000 dollars above our tithes and offerings, uh, just to the regular fund, to this offering. And it blesses me. I'm so grateful that we have that money there to spend, not for our own uh, needs, but for the needs of others beyond these walls, outside these walls. And your gifts have blessed the work around the world as we have shared what you have given with a world that needs Christ. Last year, they told me that First Baptist New Orleans gave more than $400,000 that did not pertain to the operation of this church, but left here to go bless others beyond these walls, in this city, in this state, and around the world. And I was astonished by that, and i tell you what, it indicates a generous heart on the part of this congregation we're going to receive our offering, and the deacons need to get ready to do so. As we receive this offering now, this is a regular offering, okay? So your tithes and your offerings go into plate. Uh, we're doing it early instead of later. But you have a commitment card in your worship guide. I want you to find that commitment card right now. There is the breakdown of the global impact offering. There is the pie chart about how we spend that offering. And there is a commitment card. Now, you may need to take that card home and pray about what you would like to give this year toward the mission work Uh, That is supported by this offering and that is certainly appropriate We are going to have a major global impact offering on December 2nd You remember when we put the globes up here and we come down and give our offerings Just to the work that goes on around the world that will happen December 2nd You can also turn in that commitment card December 2nd or even before that as you come to worship But you can turn in that commitment card today as well. If you would like to, along with your regular ties. say, we're going to commit to this much money that will go around the world through our global impact offering. If you'd like to do that, you can include that commitment card in your offering. All right? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting us to be part of the work that you do around the world. We know you could have done it without us but you chose to involve us in your work to make you partners, to make us partners with you in ministry. And God, we thank you that you did it that way. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll teach us as we give of ourselves and our resources. You'll teach us to be more like you. And Lord, we pray that you'll make us faithful and good stewards of every single dollar that is placed in these plates, that is given through this church, through the Global Impact Offering and through the regular offerings, God. And we thank you for the people who watch over and make us responsible in our finances. God, we give you praise. Our offerings today are expressions of love and thanks, and we give them cheerfully. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin Psalm 100, we have this expansive vision of the world and the responsibility of the worshiper to call the whole world to give praise and thanks. That this is the responsibility of every person in every land. And so there is this great geographic expanse to the gospel. And Jesus envisioned that when he sent his disciples out, they would go to the ends of the earth. In fact, he said to them and of them, Lo, I am with you always even to the ends of the earth. So he anticipated that we would be going to all of these places. I remember the uh, opportunity, opportunity here a couple of years ago that Janet and I had to go to Papua New Guinea and there meet the people who were the descendants of the first Christians on that island. The gospel was carried to them 70 or 80 years ago, and these were cannibalistic tribes. They killed and actually ate the first missionaries who arrived in their villages. But now, village after village has become Christian. In fact, Papua New Guinea is a part of Indonesia that calls itself Christian. Why? Because people took the gospel to the ends of the earth and gave their lives doing so. This expansiveness includes not only geography, but it also includes the generations. So that one generation after another, unto the hundreds and thousands, will give God the praise that is due his name. In every land, in every generation, we are to give God praise. We are to carry the gospel to all people, to every language group, to every nation and tongue. So that in heaven, one day... Mark Sullivan is there. We had his memorial service yesterday. My father is there. We have a list of people who were there in heaven who have fought the good fight and they've gone on to be with Jesus. In heaven, every language group, every people, every tongue, every tribe represented because the gospel has gone to the ends of the earth. A great company John envisions in Revelation that no man could number all robed in white, testimonies to the power of the gospel, to the love of Christ. Our presence in the world is not to be a dominion presence. I want to tell you now that I am not carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth myself. I don't go to the ends of the earth preaching the gospel with this sense that God intends for me to have dominion over other lands or other people. I don't go back to Genesis to find my gospel calling. I go back to this psalm. And this psalm says that love and faithfulness Are the representation of God everywhere in the world. So it's not so much dominion theology. It's not that God intends for us to rule, it's that He intends for us to love everywhere in the world. It's an important distinction. We want our presence in the world to be the presence of the servant of the Savior, of love and faithfulness. Proverbs says of these two words that describe God in this passage, his love endures forever, his faithfulness continues to all generations. The book of Proverbs says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. It's part of the character of God. It's who he is to you. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. You bind them around your neck. You write them on the tablet of your heart. This is to be the style of your presence in the world. Not telling the peoples of the world, we want to rule over you. But telling the peoples of the world, as Jesus has told us, I love you. We love you. We are here to serve when the Son of Man showed up on the planet, some people just naturally assumed that he'd want to be in charge and run everything. You know, find the throne. Let him rule from Rome. Let him be the Caesar. We saw two weeks ago that when he fed the 5,000, those were those, there were those in the crowd that forcibly wanted to make him king. They were going to take him by force and make him king. And he turned down that role. He was tempted by the devil. All the kingdoms of the world I'll give you if you bow down to me. And he said, no! It's not my style of being in the world. It's not how I'm going to be present in the lands and among the peoples of the world. How are you going to be? Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but what? To serve. And what? To give his life, a ransom for many. That is to be our style with the Muslim and the Buddhist and the Hindu in the world. We are here to serve you. We are here to love you. We are here to lay our life down. We're not present in Africa or India or Indonesia or anywhere else to put you down, to make you go under. We're not willing to take you down. We are ready to go down, servants of Jesus Christ, full of love and faithfulness, ready to follow our master who came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so missionaries around the world are doing that this very day trying to stay out of the politics of that land and that people and just serve them in Jesus' name. Be the presence of love and faithfulness for them, with them, and to them. We have not yet discovered how absolutely powerful laying down your life is. We have yet to discover what surrender like this does to the people who witness it, to the family who experiences it, to the spouse who sees it happen from her spouse. To lay down your life for another in the love of Jesus Christ, it is the most powerful thing you will ever do. And it is powerful not only in how it affects the people around you, the way they think about life. It is powerful in how it passes on the gospel. The early Christians said, the blood of the martyrs, and there were thousands who were killed for their witness for Jesus Christ. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church Some of you are going through hard times, and I want you to know we pray for you as you go through hard times. If we know that you are suffering, we want God to be the comforter you. But know this, in the difficult time of life, God is at work in you. He has not left you. He has not deserted you. That is a lie of the enemy. The distance you feel from God is in your own heart, not his. He is right there beside you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, no matter what trouble you go through. In fact, in the toughest time of your life, I'm going to demonstrate my love and faithfulness to you, and it will shine through you to the people who watch. Your courage, your patience, your determination, your love, your kindness, in your hard times is the powerful witness you bear as your life goes down and you lay it down on behalf of others and you do not get self-centered in your pain but you continue to learn how to love even when you yourself are hurting how to give how to express kindness how to serve others even when you have difficulties and problems brothers and sisters I am impressed today with how much anxiety there is in our hearts as followers of Jesus we are too anxious and our anxiety is an evidence of lack of faith what else can it be and so often we suppose that we are especially persecuted and troubled, and therefore our anxiety is unique. I mean, we have reason to be anxious. Don't they know what's happening in my job, happening in my marriage, happening with my family? Don't they know who's gone on and we've lost them from our presence? Don't they know it is the common human story that these things happen? Everybody in the room experiences them to one degree or another. And yet the Bible repeatedly says, and the Lord Jesus says to us repeatedly himself, do not be anxious. What is my alternative? Love and faithfulness. Experience today the love and faithfulness of God. Claim it for yourself, for your walk, for your present time. And not only claim it for yourself, but unleash it in your relationships. God, let this love and faithfulness go out from here. We are praying, we are giving, and we are going to our family to our friends, to our neighbors, to the hurting, to kids in Central City and folks who don't know how to read and people who need to learn. We are going to those who are locked up and have just freshly got out of prison. We are going to the homeless who don't have a place to sleep tonight and they don't know where their next meal's coming from. We're going to them in the name of the Lord Jesus. It is our privilege. It is our opportunity. It is transformational. There is nothing you will do in your walk, in your Christian walk, that so changes you as serving. You will never grow up. You will never make the, never, the next step. The pattern of your behavior and your attitudes will not change until, until you yourself say, I am going to serve. I'm going to find somebody that I can be a blessing to. Lord, make me a channel of blessing today. Get me out of this closet I've been stuck in. Get me out from behind these blinders where the world is just me, myself, and I. God, let me get out of this box I built for myself. Get out in that world that's hurting and in need and show me somebody to love. And in the process of going locally and around the world, God liberates us from the selfishness that is our greatest trap. To become like him in his love and faithfulness. You don't go anywhere unless you're serving. You know, it's a tenet. One of our five tenets. We disciple in motion. See it back there? We disciple in motion. I hope that you will determine in your heart today that in addition to praying for a world that needs Jesus, in addition to giving to help others do and others go, I myself will connect to a needy human being and be to them the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's bow together. There's someone here Who needs to publicly profess Jesus as Lord. It's been on your heart to do it. We're going to have prayer counselors in the aisle. If it's you, maybe you've never prayed to receive Christ, but you want to, you've been wanting to. Would you find a prayer counselor and say, I want to ask Jesus into my heart? Would you make that commitment to the Lord who loves you? Would you acknowledge the greatest gift he's ever given for you, the gift of his own son? Would you say, yes, Lord? to his call to obey and follow him maybe you've already done that but you've never publicly identified with his church his church is the instrument of his grace on planet earth would you make a connection strong and true and say I want to be part of the fellowship of believers that is praying, giving and going so the world may know the Savior maybe you just need somebody to pray with we are ready to do that too Lord, we ask you to use this time of response to help us set on a course of discipline that prays for a world that needs Jesus, that gives so that others may know, and that goes to the ends of the earth. In his name we pray, amen.